Hey there, and welcome. This is the Skins Podcast, produced by the Facade Tectonics Institute. With invited industry thought leaders, we take on all things building skin. Hey, Facade Geeks. This is Mick Patterson with the Facade Tectonics Institute, and welcome to the Skins Podcast. 118 authors managed to navigate a blind peer review process, many for the first time, administered by the Institute's Scientific, Artistic, and Technical Review Committee. Four of these papers were selected by committee chairs, Professors Noble and Kensick at the University of Southern California School of Architecture. We'll be interviewing these authors over the next four weeks leading up to the World Congress, where all 118 papers will be presented. The presentation sessions are the centerpiece of Facades Month, August 2020, and will take place on consecutive Wednesdays in August, with additional workshops held on Thursdays. So please join us in celebrating these authors and supporting the Institute. It's going to be a great event with abundant learning opportunities in our pursuit of lifelong learning. There are some absolutely great papers in the mix. I'm witness to that. I've seen them. For more details and to register, visit facadetectonics.org or reach out to us at events at facadetectonics.org or simply use the links included in the show notes. So let's jump into an interview. Hi, everybody. This is Mick Patterson with the Facade Tectonics Institute, and we have with us today Eric Haas, principal with DSH Architecture, uh, adjunct associate professor at USC School of Architecture, um, and who just recently received his fellowship in the AIA. Congratulations, Eric. It's great to have you with us. Thanks, Mick. It's a real pleasure to be with you and everyone out there. Yeah, and also congratulations on on your paper being one of the top four selected as best papers for the uh, upcoming World Congress of the Facade Tectonics Institute. It's uh, it is it was one of my favorite papers, I must say. Uh, it, it was I, it, it's very antithetical to uh, many of the most of the papers that we receive. Uh, and I really like that about it. A very interesting, uh, very interesting thing. That's uh, that was great to hear. I mean, I, you know, I come at things from a little bit, uh, maybe different uh, perspective from some of the other authors. Um, so hopefully it'll be a nice uh, kind of uh, dovetail with some of the other approaches um, and uh, people can get out of it what they what they can. Um, so hopefully, yeah, we'll have a fun conversation. Yeah. Well, you know, that's one of the things that we, we are really, we really embrace in the Institute is bringing all voices together, uh, you know, bridging the silos that comprise our fragmented industry and that kind of thing. So I, you know, I'm, I'm yours, your paper raised a flag with me. So very interesting. Why don't you give us an overall description for our listeners? Well, uh, you know, this, the, the kind of impetus for the project or for the paper was a project that our office did uh, a number of years ago now, but still kind of resonates with us, um, where we uh, did a, a rehabilitation of the Bubeshko apartments by the architect R.M. Schindler, Rudolf Schindler, who probably most of uh, everybody listening will know. Um, but if you don't by chance he was you know one of the kind of preeminent modernist architects in uh, Austrian emigre moving to Los Angeles did uh, really all of his his known work uh, in and around Los Angeles and Southern California um, and the Bubeshko apartments was a project that uh, Schindler did 
basically the late 1930s, early 1940s, um, and we rehabilitated the projects around 2006 through 2008. It took a little uh, while, but Schind- you know, Schindler, we really got into his kind of um, way of thinking. He was a very much a kind of bohemian character, and uh, one of the things he really was, uh, you know, he, he did a lot of projects that were very, uh, let's say, moderately budgeted um, and was using, you know, very standard construction practices and tectonics in the service of what he felt was, you know, really the heart of what architecture was for him. So the kind of modulation of space, the use of different uh, material, uh, you know, kind of simple materials used unusually, for instance, like, uh, you know, he was using plywood, uh, Douglas or plywood as a finished material, uh, in a way that, you know, no one was doing at the time. It was a recently invented, uh, material at that, at that moment. And no one was doing that. So, you know, he's definitely someone who, you know, later on Frank Gehry learns a lot from in terms of how he uses things, uh, in a kind of unusual way. But one of the things that that Schindler was, you know, really known for was his interest in kind of connecting people to their climate and and connecting the architecture and having a kind of, you know, we call it kind of a sort of thermal transparency between inside and outside. And this this is, you know, both works in terms of the 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 architecture and the way he uses light and access and connecting inside and out, but also has implications for the building envelope it, itself and so when we did the uh when we did the rehabilitation you know a lot of the the building was uh suffered from what we called sort of b- benign neglect so a lot of the original uh materials were uh in place but but you know sort of needed a, a great deal of ref- refreshing and one of the you know the the approach of the project team uh, in, you know, kind of really trying to put on the mantle of the way that Schindler thought about one's relationship to climate was to touch it as little as possible. And, uh, you know, there were, there were suggestions and impulses for, you know, maybe considering like one of the, certainly one of the, the major flaws by today's standards in the building was, the use of um, single pane glazing throughout all the windows. Again, not at all surprising for the era of the building, but um, there was a kind of some some people had suggested on the side that we would, you know, consider kind of you know locking down and sealing up the building envelope in a way that we would uh, you know do as a kind of normal practice today. Um, and we uh, you know for several reasons, I think really uh, you know trying to be kind of honor. Schindler's original intentions, both in the the actual sort of physical product of the architecture or the presence of the architecture, but also in the experience that people would have. He was really interested in making sure there was a kind of ability to commune with one's environment and be constantly aware of things like the weather and, and what was going on outside. And so that was something that we really tried to to honor like you know very specifically we we you know we wanted you one to uh, the residents to be able to put their hand on a pane of glass and understand what the temperature was like outside feel the weather feel the weather i, sh- I should say that your uh, the paper is titled put your sweater on a case for low performance uh which is a great title and you reference um 
Jimmy Carter's talk, uh, where he uh, put on a cardigan sweater and talked about how we should all turn our thermostats down and dress appropriately. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a classic touch point, and I know that it's you know it's still it's kind of come back this year. Interestingly, uh, some of these points. I mean, the the paper was written, you know, well before our present uh, pandemic. But issues of things like ventilation and 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 so forth have kind of re risen a little bit. And uh, yeah, we thought of we thought of uh, of the the Carter example simply because you know that that in in what we call this sort of like re relocating the responsibility for human comfort from the building envelope itself uh, back onto the the human the human body, right? So if it's it, that if you you rather than thinking of a kind of you know indoor climate that is always at seventy two degrees and such and such percentage of humidity, um, that having that kind of um, necessity for uh, you as a person to kind of take some ownership in how you adjust your own thermal comfort was uh, was kind of where certainly where Schindler would have been and and uh, and that that Carter example was I thought a kind of intriguing touchdown yeah you've you've spent some time uh, wearing Schindler's headset I think you know uh, and what, what do you think if he was here now uh, in this environment of carbon considerations uh, and this you know looming climate catastrophe and all of this kind of thing how do you think that this environment would have modified his practice you know it's interesting I'm not sure it would have modified it much I think he would have been really upset about things like you know title 24 prescriptive uh, performance uh, uh, requirements, things like this. And probably, I mean, probably wouldn't have had much regard for, for passive house. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think he, um, I, you know, he, uh, he, again, we're, we're not like a thorough expert on his, his uh, entire work, but we really did, you know, kind of embrace a little bit of his way of think of, of thinking. And, you know, he would be very, you know, generally opposed to kind of active, uh, uh, use of energy within his buildings. Of course, that got him in real trouble with some of his clients. Um, mm -hmm. That uh, you know, his buildings are not known for their um, maybe their thermal livability by many people's standards. And we, you know, I think we re I referenced in the paper that he was he was absolutely a romantic about some of his approaches. So you know, we 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 think of him as a model with some reservations. But I think you know he was certainly someone who was would be very interested in trying to you know lo lower that carbon footprint of his own buildings and trying to think of them trying to think of the buildings as something that was really part of the kind of natural ecosystem and not divorced from it. So um, right. you know, sort of fighting against nature was not something that I think he was feeling that um, that much interest in. Well, you know, one of the interesting aspects of this of this conversation is that um, you know this connection to nature uh, in 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 the building interior is something that has only emerged recently as a, you know a health, comfort, and productivity concern, right? Yes. And but it, but it manifests primarily as visual, right? It's a, it's a visual connection and. 
you know, the, the, the attitude here in the paper carries this much further to, um, you know, beyond visual to, uh, to a tactile, much, much larger sensorial experience of, of nature. We kind of, and, and I think that's a good point, Nick. I mean, the, you know, the, and that's, uh, I've always thought that a lot of the way in which we like think about these kinds of, you know, issues of, of modernism as particularly, and, and as you say, this kind of resurgent interest in kind of connecting uh, the interior spaces to exterior that, you know, a lot of, you know, so much of our culture has, has been easily transmitted and it's even, you know, more prevalent now through, through vision, right? Through, through originally, of course, it was photography and magazines and media, those kinds of media. Now, of course, it's the, the primarily visual way in which we understand uh, uh, projects or spaces, you know, distributed on the, the internet and all the various pl- platforms in that way. But, you know, the, the actual occupation with the, the human body, there's, there's these, all these other dynamics at, at work the, and, and that this, the kind of, um, you know, haptics of the presence of a body in, in a space that is at a temperature and at a humidity and has certain kinds of, you know, ventilation performance is something that, you know, we were really trying to kind of remind people about that that's part of this other connection to, to nature. And the, the speculation, of course, it, it's, it's a speculative paper and, and there's certainly no answers at the, at, at, at the end, but we wonder uh, allowed if this you know ability to be uh, more intimately let's say connected with one's environment might actually sort of signal a diff- different kind of approach or or a re- reassessment or maybe a re- maybe a return in some ways to a this kind of more you know connected um, relationship to nature yeah yeah I can relate to it personally because uh, in my Younger days, uh, way back when I first moved to California, I was looking for uh, an alternative lifestyle to, you know, this is when I was starting my career, to, to just renting a room in a house. So I went out and bought an Airstream trailer <laughs> for, you know, 1500 bucks or something like that. It was I was amazed. I got a bedroom, bathroom, living room, kitchen, <laughs> the whole thing for 1500 bucks. And I had a, uh, a, you know, some portable units to, to kind of manage those those, you know, few days in Los Angeles where you you kind of really wish you had the air conditioning. Uh-huh. Those yeah. days do exist, they um, do. but they're you know, but they're not that many, and and uh, you know, they're probably you know, kick it on whatever couple of weeks out of the year, maybe totally. Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely manageable. I would say. And, you know, and that's part of, you know, this is definitely, a, you know, a project model that, you know, we recognize that. And I think Schindler would have, too, because of the, you know, re- relatively benign climate of Southern California is not necessarily applicable to a lot of places. But, uh, you know, I think that that's also, I mean, certainly there's been a kind of, you know, resurgent interest in understanding kind of vernacular practices and what we can kind of retain from them and learn from them and re reinsert certain you know, kind of updated versions of, of vernacular approaches to, to climate management to achieve much lower carbon and much more kind of responsive um, connections. And then, as I said, I think our kind of real point towards that was not really coming from the kind of energy management 
side of the equation, but really almost this, you know, I think I put it in the paper as a kind of psychic or even spiritual relationships that can accrue with the, with connecting to the, the natural environment. And that I know, you know, Schindler was, was someone who was interested not only in the kind of, you know, care of the physical body, but the, the, the mental, um, state of the occupants, uh, to all sorts of, in all sorts of ways. What are the approximate areas of the apartments? Uh, they, the well, they range, yeah, they range in size. I mean, it's an interesting project because they, they're, they're all different. There's not, they're not re, uh, repeated. So I think the small, there's like a small studio unit that's maybe uh, like uh, 250, 300 square feet. There's uh, like a one bedroom in the 600 square foot range, a two bedroom in the 800 something square foot. There's a square foot range. I think there's a master at 1050. So there's kind of a range of different uh, sized uh, units. But they're, they're smallish, which makes them, makes the, the thermal management, the thermal environment more manageable, I guess. They, I yes, they are. Although the, the configuration of the building is uh, kind of a, almost like it really is terraced housing um, and two separate buildings. So uh, all, all of the units have an exposure, uh, sort of a thermal exposure on at least four, uh, including the roof on at least four sides and many in five. So they, so they, they're, you know, they, they are small, they are relatively compact, but they are because of the way they're not really kind of ganged together. So you don't really get a lot of benefit from the kind of, you know, like a shared sort of, you know, party wall or, or demising wall or even roof, uh, you know, stacked condition. So they're kind of what I, you know, uh, I call it sort of like unfurled a little bit. So there are a lot of surfaces to take low, uh, thermal load. Mm-hmm. The, the uh, images in the paper are intriguing. It, you know, I, I've always, Schindler's work has always resonated with me. I love the, the spaces, the way he shapes the spaces and uses the materials. I look at those images, it makes me want to move into one. I'd love to see them. Is there, is there, a, is there anything online where our listeners can access more uh, images of the project? Uh, well, I think we have the project up on our website, which is uh, just at dshark.com. That's dshark.com. And I think there are some various things around. The project was, um, uh, if folks want to Google it, I mean, there may be other places out there uh, for Bubeshko Apartments. It, it was, you know, we were really fortunate and honored to have received a number of awards for the project. Most recently, we won the um, Docomomo uh, residential project of oh, the year great. a few years ago. So that was a really fantastic honor, um, from, from them. And I, I think one, and I think one of the reasons that they and others, uh, have, uh, acknowledged the project was because of this kind of, um, integrity of, of kind of recognizing and, and in some ways not, you know, kind of over improving, uh, or, uh, the, the project and trying to stay, you know, relatively consistent with the the way that that Schindler was was working uh, at the original inception. Right, got it. Eric, this has been fascinating talking with you about this. Uh, I want to congratulate you on the Docomomo uh, Award and also on your FA uh, F your fellowship FAIA. And I want to thank you 
for doing this paper. Uh, and also thank you for uh, participating in this podcast and, and discussing it with me. Nick, it's been a great a talk. Yeah, thank you. It's it has, and always enjoy talking to you. And I hope uh, people will get something out of the podcast and the rest of the conference. Uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I think you're onto something with this. You know, my my personal feeling is that there's something quite important to point to here, uh, and I'm I'm glad that you did it. So the paper will be uh, Eric will be presenting the paper as part of the World Congress, which will roll out in the month of August, coming right up. Eric, thanks again for doing this, and we will be talking with you all very soon with another paper presentation. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Mick.